Welcome to the Vivid Church Podcast. Wherever you're listening from today, it's our hope that this message would help you reflect the light of Jesus' life for all to see. Now, here's Pastor Justin Reimer. Well, here we are in week two of this series, You Heard Me. How many people enjoyed last week? If you were with us last week, why don't you take a moment, even in the chat, and just throw down something that you remember from last week's message as we looked at this statement from Paul that Jesus Christ came into the world to save sinners of whom I am the worst. If you don't remember anything else from the message, why don't you just throw that statement right in there. I'm the worst. And it's redemptive. If you missed it, you can go back, you can watch it. But the truth of the matter is this, that that your sin does not disqualify you, your failure doesn't hold you back from receiving from Jesus. In fact, it's only fakeness that will distance you from his grace. God wants to put his grace on display in your life by by turning beautiful uh, things out of broken things. And so I just want to encourage you, if you missed that, Go back and watch that. Today we're going to look at another one of these little interesting quotes, these little sayings that Paul uses. But before we do, I just want to commend you, Vivid, for one thing really special that took place just this week. Uh, I got a message from my friend Vincenzo in the city of Naples this week. He and his wife Numa are planting a, a church in a, a small community called Giuliano in, uh, in Naples. And so a number of months ago, we had the opportunity to partner with them and to give generously towards them. And it was such a, a beautiful thing. In a, a moment like this over a screen, uh, Jennifer and I just pitched the idea, why don't we buy them chairs? They had this church plant that they've just begun in Naples. It got shut down at the beginning of COVID. And as it began to open up again, they had a small room, but no chairs to sit on. And so I just want to commend you. In, in, in moments of generos- generosity, literally just a few moments, like 15 or 20 minutes, we were able to fund the entire project to buy chairs for their whole facility. And this week, I got word from Vincenzo that they have arrived, he and Numa and their church, send their, their gratitude and their thanks. And I wonder if you could, uh, I'm going to put it in the chat right now, just the name of of them and their church. Maybe we could just share some love today on social and just show them some love and kindness. The truth of the matter is chairs are only chairs, but but guess what? They're an opportunity for people to come, be comfortable, sit, be in the presence of God and receive from him. So we're excited, not just for chairs in a room, but for people who are going to occupy those chairs as they start an incredible church in Naples. So can we show some love for them? And can I tell you, good job. Thank you for your generosity. It's so exciting and exhilarating to be part of a generous church. In fact, today, I'm going to give a few more shout outs. I want to say just such a good job to all of our leaders today. People who in the midst of these last 11 months have just continued to lead with diligence, with uh, with a buoyancy in their spirit, this faith-filled understanding that God is doing a new thing. And can I say good job to, to Sam and to our whole creative team who have managed, like I'm standing here today in this beautiful studio space that we have figured out how to do in this time. Good job to every person who's contributed to that. And can I say to you, good job for being here today. You did it. You rolled over in bed and opened up your laptop. Give yourself a hand. Good job. In fact, I just wonder if you haven't been told often enough what a good job you're doing. Can I say good job to you, Aaron and Dana, pastors of our Toronto location. This week was our first culture course. It was awesome. A great time gathering together on Zoom with a whole bunch of people and just saying we're believing for great things in the days ahead. Good job. 
We need this more in our life. Just that affirmation, we're doing a good job. And I wanna say, Vivid, you're doing a good job. In fact, today's message is entitled simply that, good job. See, Paul, he gives this statement to Timothy and Timothy's a young leader. And, and Timothy is probably like every other leader, imperfect. And yet Paul is continually throwing affirmation his way. Continually, he's coming alongside him and saying, Timothy, you're amazing, man. Like for real, you're the guy chosen for this time and this place. You're doing a good job. Timothy, who was in the city of Ephesus, a place that was near and dear to Paul and his ministry, he's going, Timothy, you're the man for this. And he says things like this, Timothy, don't let anyone look down on you just because you're young. Instead, step up, be an example. You got this and, and you're doing a good job. And the second statement that he makes, as I told you last week, we're going to look at five different statements that Paul makes to Timothy and Titus that he says, this quote I'm about to say is worth repeating. It's a trustworthy saying. This second statement has to do with this thought of a good job. If you have your Bible, open up to the book of 1 Timothy chapter 3, 1 Timothy chapter 3, and we're going to have a look at this second statement together. You'd think after all these years of preaching, I would use bookmarks, but I guess I like the challenge of having to jump in and find my spot. Here we are, 1 Timothy uh, chapter 3 and verse 1. Paul says this, writing to Timothy, he says, here is a trustworthy saying, whoever aspires to be an overseer desires a noble task. Why don't we pray together and then we're going to dive into this. Jesus, I thank you for your word. I pray today that you would uh, use your power to reveal to us what you're speaking. And though my words are flawed, we believe your word is perfect. And I pray that the enduring nature of your word would reach every heart who is watching today, every person who's engaging today. And I pray that we would receive from your word and that we would find ourselves motivated and changed and challenged because of it. In your name we pray. Amen. Amen. Here in the midst of Paul affirming Timothy, he says this little statement, whoever aspires to be an overseer desires a noble task. Now, in order to understand why this statement is so trustworthy, I actually just want to break it apart into its pieces, if we could. Why don't we actually just go kind of word by word and study a little bit of what's being said before we make any sort of application to our lives uh, he says this, first of all, the word whosoever. He goes, whoever, whichever one of you aspires towards oversight or towards leadership, you're, you're desiring a noble task. I just want to say this to you because I think it's so important that we all grasp this. Do you know your ability for God to use you for great things is, is not uh, limited only to people that you think have skill. It's not limited only to people you think already stand out and are amazing or tremendous or have, have pre-existing uh, greatness on them. The Bible says this, that whoever aspires to be leader, a leader, whoever aspires towards oversight is desiring a noble task. I want you to know if you're watching this today, there is greatness on your life. God has something great in store for your life. And he is challenging you. He's calling me. He, he's spurring each one of us on to this reality that any of us can aspire towards that great thing. So he says, whoever aspires towards being an overseer has desired a noble thing. I want you to notice this, this trend that takes place. There's kind of three crucial words within this, this statement. First of all, we already touched on whoever. Uh, let's look at what it is that they're desiring. The Bible says here, Paul is speaking, he goes, desiring oversight 
That's a noble thing. This oversight is, is the what? Who? Well, whoever. What? Oversight. Now, oversight is interesting. Oversight, it means to watch something carefully in order to benefit it. To have an intent eye on a subject with the desire to make that subject better. It's like a teacher watching their students. And the amazing thing about a teacher is if they're going to teach their students well, they actually have to become students of their students. They have to figure out what makes their students tick in order to communicate truth in a way that will stick. And so he's saying this, whoever, no matter who you are, if you desire oversight, that's a good thing. That's a noble thing. And so I want to say to you today, I don't, I don't know what it is you're desiring or aspiring after, but if it has to do with oversight, good job. That's a, that's a good thing to aspire towards. That's a noble thing to aim towards and effort towards. Now, the interesting thing, I, I wonder if you could in the chat even right now, just comment on this. When you read this statement, what comes to mind? Whoever aspires towards oversight desires a noble, a noble task or a noble job. What comes to mind? Like for some, you might, you might hear this. Oh yeah, people who want to be leaders, they're just in it for themselves. For some, you might hear this. Oh, that's for somebody else who's aspiring to be a leader. I have no desire towards leadership at all. For someone else, you might feel this little bit of relief and you go, oh, I thought maybe my desire to be a leader was all about me. Maybe it's not all about me after all. And it's kind of relieving to read this. But whoever aspires towards oversight desires a noble task. You see, oversight is not looking down upon someone else. It's actually looking after them. It's this care intended, this desire intended. Now, Jesus says in the book of Mark chapter 9 that if anyone wants to be great in God's kingdom, it begins by serving everyone. So here, Paul speaking to Timothy, saying, Timothy, you're going to need a leadership uh, construct around you. You need a leadership structure of people who care around you. And whoever would aspire to do that has actually desired towards a noble task, not to look down upon, but to look after with care. Now, as I read this, I recognize that there's probably many people you're like, oh, that's cool for someone else. I personally don't desire to be an overseer. I personally have no desire towards being a leader. Maybe you have thought and convinced yourself that's not for me. Well, if I could, and I hope you can follow with me on this, why don't we just for a moment take a step back from what that thing is that we're desiring and look at the principle that's taking place here before we step back up close and apply it to our lives. I told you there was three words I wanted to focus on and here are those words. Number one, aspire. Aspire. I want to ask you, what are you aspiring towards in your life? What's your aspiration? Interestingly, the Greek word here, it actually is the word origami. Now, it's not the Japanese word origami, but when I looked at the meaning, it kind of reminded me of it. See, wouldn't that be amazing if I pulled out a piece of paper right now and then I just made like a perfect crane or, or an awesome paper airplane. I'm not much of an origami artist, but the Greek word actually means, or is pronounced the same way, origami. And interestingly, you see that's about, about my skills in origami. Uh, interestingly, this word, it actually means to stretch yourself out so that you can reach a greater distance. And as I was studying it, I got this picture that, that for some of us, it's like life has been a little tough on you, 
Maybe your experiences have kind of left you a little wrinkled and what was one time like that blank open page, uh, open canvas of ideas, like an open page full of all the potential and promise of what could be written on it. It's like your life has kind of gone a little bit tougher than you thought and kind of compacted you. In fact, for many of us, we've been taught to focus in simply on the thing we already know we're good at. So don't have aspirations for things you're not already good at. Just figure out what you're good at. In fact, our our educational system often is built towards helping kids at a very young age figure out what they already like and are already good at so that they can measure the rest of their life's decisions after it. Which I think is a little odd because I don't know that that many of us at 8 or 9 or 14 or 15 or man, even in our 20s know exactly what we're going to be passionate about for the rest of our lives. But nonetheless... Aspire means to stretch yourself out a little bit. I want to ask you, like, maybe your life has begun to look a little bit like that, really compressed around the things you're already good at. The creases are, are becoming more solid. The, the bends and the crumpled edges are becoming a little bit more compacted. And I, I feel like the Spirit of God would be saying to you and I, like, stretch yourself out a little bit and, and begin to stretch so you can get a wider reach. And in the same way as, you know, this piece of paper, maybe not the most profound illustration, but at one point in time, everything seemed like an option and then life got crazy and you got stressed and compacted and and it's like the Spirit of God is saying, no, stretch yourself out again. That's actually what the word aspire means, to stretch yourself out again and to reach for something greater and to reach for something different. In fact, even as I'm doing this, it's like reach outside of the boundaries Reach outside of the comfort zone. What are you aspiring towards? Now, wouldn't it be amazing if right now, if then I reached back in and something was beautifully made in origami? Yeah, that's not going to happen. That was just the only point I had to make about aspiration. All right, there we go. Paper gone. But I want to ask you, what are you reaching towards? What are you stretching towards? The truth about stretching is it's uncomfortable. I'm, I'm a few things. Flexible is probably not one of them. I try to be flexible in conversation. I try to be flexible in my skill set and my, my ability to manage conflict and all those things. But actual physical flexibility, like touching my toes, I have to work at. It's not something that comes natural. These hamstrings are not that loose. But the amazing thing about stretching is you find your limit and then you pause and you push yourself a little bit and you wait and you breathe and you keep on doing it. And over time, you can actually grow in flexibility. So I'm asking today, what are you aspiring towards? What are you stretching towards? Maybe instead of compacting your life around what you've already experienced and living in that safe zone, you could stretch with me into the margins and say, I want to reach for something greater. Now, aspiration is important, but it's not the only thing that matters. The second thing that we see at play here is this word desire. You see, you aspire towards something But then it also says that you have a desire for something. This word desire, it speaks to our passions. I think aspiration speaks to our mindset, all right? That's our our understanding. I think I'm already good at this and I've defined what my skills are. But God is saying, "I, I want you to stretch yourself out. But to desire something is actually an issue of the heart. It's what gets your heart going. This word desire here in this this statement, it speaks of passion. It speaks of a flame that is burning bright. I remember years ago, I was in the Yukon 
and I was speaking at an event there and it was actually in February in the Yukon. Now, I don't know if you've ever spent much time that far north, but that time of year, it's dark almost all day long and it's really cold. And from about noon to maybe 2.30 or 3, the sun is out just for a moment and then it's back into nighttime. Well, I was speaking at a camp in the Yukon in February in the woods. And it was interesting, there was young people from all over the Arctic who had come south to the Yukon. And as they, they came in, they said, wow, it's just so nice to be south where it's warm. Meanwhile, I had gone far north and I was freezing. And uh, I was staying in a little log cabin in the Yukon in February at a camp in the woods. There's the picture. Well, this particular little wood cabin, it had one source of heat, which was a, a small little stove in the middle of the room that I needed to prepare myself for. Well, as a, a pretty new outdoorsman who had no real desire to get great at this thing, I thought, it is freezing out here. I got to just get this place nice and hot. So I packed that furnace so full of firewood and I, I started it uh, before I went to bed. I'm telling you, within minutes, my entire cabin was sweltering hot. It was like a sauna, like a steam room in there. So hot, burning hot. I had every blanket off. I actually opened the door so I could get some draft in there because I was burning myself out. In the midst of that, the little breeze coming in from the Yukon uh, night and the, the fire still burning in the room, I fell asleep. Well, I woke up a couple hours later and I've never been so cold in all my life. My blankets were thrown on the floor. I had taken off all my layers and the door was still open. Well, guess what? The fire had completely burnt out. It must have been minus 25 or 30 inside my cabin as I lay there out on a blanketless bed. I was so incredibly cold. And now through shivers and frozen fingers, I was trying to relight that fire Again, why did I tell you this story? Well, I think for some, our passion is kind of like that. Our passion comes and goes like the swinging of a pendulum. It comes and we burn really hot. And then just as quickly as we burn hot, we start to burn cold again. That's not what the Bible is speaking of here when it speaks to passion. In fact, some of you have been told you're really passionate and people are just, just saying in a really nice way that you lose your temper easily. And it's like you burn really hot, but then just as soon as you go hot, you go really cold. And, and you probably know who you are. Maybe your life has looked like deep investment into one silo or area for a short time only to abandon that area and move on to the next. I don't say this to condemn it all. I, I simply say this, that this is not what the Bible is speaking of when it talks of desire. Instead, what the Bible is speaking to is an ongoing, slow uh, momentum building flame that's taking place under the surface. In 1998, uh, I was living in the city of Salmon Arm. <laughs> city. Who am I kidding? The, the small, small town of Salmon Arm. And uh, our, our town actually that particular summer had a crazy forest fire. The forest fire that had begun in a, with a small flame had been uh, you know, pushed by windstorms and was taking over big parts of the city. The entire city was evacuated and people's homes and, and properties and businesses were in peril. And I had the opportunity over that summer to actually be part of the, the team that got to fight the fire. I just happened to work for a, a construction company that had some large water trucks and 
And so I found myself as a young man driving into the chaos as people were fleeing for their lives. And together with some friends for, for a number of weeks, I worked seven hours a day, or seven hours, seven days a week, 12 hours a day. You were either on shift or, or sleeping in a, a completely uh, deserted town. It was a crazy time. And it came with a lot of interesting stories. One of the most interesting ones is as the fire died down and the danger seemed to be gone, we were instructed by professionals. They said, in order for us to know that we are out of danger, we actually need to go to every place that the fire was burning and you need to do what's called a heat check. Now, for some of you, if you're a basketball fan, you're thinking immediately of Steph Curry when he's on a hot streak and he just throws up a three that makes no sense just to do a heat check. Or maybe Fred Van Vliet this last week, he was looking pretty hot. He was heat checking from all over the floor. But a heat check in a forest fire is a little different. You had to go to the base of a tree that had once been on, on fire and you take out an ax and you begin to cut down not only into the stump, but then dig down into the earth where the root system was underneath the surface. And you had to follow that root system until you could touch it with your hand and feel no evidence of heat. Here's why. Because you might not know this, a forest fire actually, after it manifests on the surface, it continues to burn underground in a slow smoldering burn in the root systems. In fact, they say that, that some forest fires last up to six months underground. And they, they work their way under the surface and when the time is right and the, the environment is right and the right oxygen comes into play, they can fan back in to flame. I think that's what passion really looks like. That's the type of passion that Paul is speaking of here. That's the type of passion that I'm calling us to have as a church, not just to have a mental aspiration towards something, say I'm going to stretch myself out to, you know, out of my comfort zone, but to actually have that deep burdening fire on the inside of us. It might be that for a very short while, an area of passion seemed to be out on the surface for all to see in your life. Maybe for a very short while you had an opportunity to live what, what felt like your dream and, and, and as quickly as it kind of lit, it went back out. But I want to challenge you right now. That doesn't necessarily mean the fire is burning. Let's do a little heat check in our hearts. Let's do a little heat check. What is it that we really desire? Do you know what's interesting? The, the Greek word here for desire is actually the word to murder. Think about that. It's like the type of passion that leads towards death. It seems really ominous. But this is not external passion that, that goes towards hurting others. This is saying there might be something on the inside of me that I just need to, to kill, that I need to die to because I care so much for this other thing. Here's how you know you really have desire for something. Here's how you know you really have passion for something is you're willing to say no to some things that you love, no to some things that you want, no to some things that you actually appreciate because there is something more important that's burning on the inside of you. So I already asked the question, what are you aspiring towards? What are you stretching yourself in? I don't, don't care if you're 20 or 30 or 40 or 70 or, or you're watching and you're in your 90s right now. You're not done yet. Keep stretching yourself. Keep being flexible. Keep aspiring towards something great. And then secondly, is there a passion on the inside of you? Do a little heat check. And maybe your passion has been a pendulum swing, like that, that furnace in the Yukon. Instead, I want to encourage you, let's get it down deep in the root system of our life. Let's let the heat keep on working its way through our lives. And when the time is right, it's going to fan back to flame. So I talked about aspiration. 
uh, or to aspire. I talked about what it is to, to desire. But the third thing at play here is, is this, this part about work. It's what it is simply to perspire. I want to ask you, what are you working towards? What are you actually actively putting work on? You say, well, what do you mean by work, Pastor Justin? Like to, to be a leader, isn't that just the, the easy job to finally get to the place where you don't have to do the work anymore? No, no, no. Paul here, he says this, if you aspire, that means you've stretched yourself to imagine that God could use you for the great work of leading others. And you also have that desire, that burning on the inside of you, you're willing to kill what you need to kill in your life in order to get there. Then guess what? You have arrived at a really good thing called work. Isn't that something? That the thing God is calling us to is, is not to laziness, it's actually to work. That the thing God has for my life and for your life is something worth working on, something worth putting our effort into. I remember, you know, the, the classic quote from Allen Iverson. Are we talking about practice? Yeah, we're talking about the hard work of practice. We're talking about the, the menial task of just getting a little bit better. What are you working on right now in your life? You say, well, I'm, I'm stretching myself to begin to believe again that God could use me for greatness. And, and that fire just hasn't gone out. I still have a desire to be used greatly of God. Well, then friend... Where's the perspiration? Where's the work? You know, I've heard it said, and I think it's so true, that how we do everything is how we do anything. And vice versa, how you do anything is probably how you do everything. You know, work ethic is something that we can all work on at any stage in our life. And if we would invest in the right type of work ethic now, it will reap rewards in our life later. I remember when I, when I was young, I worked on a crew and we, uh, we did paving stones. We put down paving stones in front of this large development. It was actually the same crew that happened to have water trucks. And so I was a forest firefighting bricklayer. And interestingly, this one particular job, it, it was my entire summer, four months straight. And all I did each and every day was pull out bricks, measure the way they needed to be cut, cut them with this particular type of saw so I could fit them in perfectly so that people go walk over them. Interesting thing that took place over the course of that summer is I had literally the choice if I was going to cut corners in every micro decision I made day in, day out, week in, week out, month in, month out. And if I did my job right, my work got walked on. And the interesting thing is, I suppose I've never actually graduated past that job. I still have the choice to make in every little micro decision, day in, day out, week in, week out, year on year, will I cut corners? And if I do my job right, if I do my job well, if I have excellence in the way that I, I put my work ethic forward, the opportunity is simply that people can stand upon what I've built. Now that's what leadership looks like. It's saying, I'm going to lay myself down so that others can walk upon what I'm building. Now, all this might seem really high-minded. I, I hope you're still following with me, but, but here's what God is calling each one of us to, to get some aspiration on our life, to, to question, what am I aspiring towards? And what do I have desire for? And am I willing to perspire for it? 
Now the implication would be that if we're gonna aspire for something and have desire for it and then actually put in the work to perspire for it, it better be something good. Now in this particular context, what Paul is talking about is leadership and he goes, that is a good thing. Now here's why it's a good thing. Because it's something we can only do if God has gifted us to. Now I believe this is true of, of me and you and everyone who will ever take part in this particular service no matter when you're watching this. God has a gift on your life that when it comes to fruition will be good, not only for you but for the world. God has a gift in your life that will be good for everyone around you. I want to challenge you, begin to aspire towards it, grow some desire towards it, and actually be willing to perspire for it and put in some work to become the person that God has called you to be. You might say, to you, well, Pastor Justin, I don't think that God is calling me to be an overseer. And, and guess what? That's actually okay. The most important part is for you to say yes to the thing he is gifting you towards. The interesting thing that you'll notice, and I want to read kind of the rest of this passage as we come to a conclusion today. You will notice this, that, that now every uh, description of a leader that follows here, of an overseer that follows, has really nothing to do with giftedness and everything to do with the development of character. And the same would be true for you if you feel God is calling you to be an encourager, God is calling you to be an evangelist, God is calling you to hospitality, God is calling you to great faith, God is calling you to be a faithful person who's consistent, He's calling you to be a, a better wife, a better husband, a better uh, individual in your workplace. Whatever that thing will be, it has way more to do with our character than our giftedness. Check this out. It says this, the one who aspires to be an overseer desire, desires a noble task. That was the saying. But then it goes on to describe it this way. Now, the overseer is to be above reproach. This is speaking of a boxer who you just can't get a hit on. You're like, you, it's more important that you can fly like a butterfly in this context than it is that you can sting like a bee. It's all about your ability. There's just nothing about your life that's taking shots because you're living above reproach. The overseer should be faithful to his wife, temperate, self-controlled, respectable, hospitable, able to teach, not given to drunkenness, not violent, but gentle, not quarrelsome, not a lover of money. He must manage his own family well and see that his children obey him, that he must do uh, this in a manner worthy of full respect. Verse 5, if anyone does not know how to manage their own family, how can they take care of God's family? Verse 6, he must not be a recent convert or he would become conceited. He'd fall under the same judgment as the devil. Uh, he must also have a good reputation with outsiders so that he will not fall into the disgrace that is the devil's trap. And then it goes on to describe other roles as well in the church. Deacons and people who serve in different ways. That whole list, you might, you might hear it and go, whoa, this is another teaching. True, it absolutely is. In fact, this is uh, a lot of the foundation of how we develop leaders here at, at Vivid Church. But when you think of that whole list, it has everything to do with character. And I don't know about you, I read it and I aspire. I go, God, I want to be that person who's hospitable. I want to be that person who's not given to, uh, to uh, losing my cool. I want to be that person who loves my wife better, who loves my kids better. I want to be that person who's above reproach. But I don't just aspire towards it. I have a burning desire to be that. And God, I am willing to put in the work to become that. This, in essence, is, is the call to every one of us. So if you feel called to leadership, there is a pathway for you. It involves beginning to put in the work, to do a good job. 
And maybe you say, I feel called to something different. Then guess what? You still have to lead yourself. You have to be a leader to yourself, an overseer to your own journey to say, I'm going to watch carefully the areas of my life that need to grow and change so I can address them and I can do a good job of becoming that person. William Carey, who was a missionary in the late 1800s, early 1900s, said this, and I think it's a great way to close today. He challenged each one of us, expect great things from God and attempt great things for God. Vivid Church, I'm expecting great things from God. And I'm challenging each one of us, let's attempt great things for God. What are we aspiring towards? What do we have desire for? And are we willing to put in that work to perspire for it, to put in the effort, making the decisions in every little area? Will I cut corners or will I do it right? And if I do it right, I'm building a surface for other people to stand upon and to grow upon. Today, I want to pray for you. I want to pray not only that God would call each one of us to lead because he has a unique, beautiful gift for each of us. In fact, coming really soon, we're doing a series on spiritual gifts and we can talk about the thing that God has called you uniquely to. But instead, I want to pray for each one of us that the good thing that God has for us, that great thing that we're expecting of God and attempting for God, that we would stretch ourselves just a little bit, that we get that fire deep down in our soul, and then we put in the work to become the people that God has called us to be. Let me pray. Jesus, I thank you for my friends today. For every person who's watching this, I ask that you would birth within us a passion and an excitement to be who you've called us to be. If it's leadership, God, let us lead with boldness. If it's faith, let us have the type of faith that honors you well. If it's encouragement, would you give us words and creativity to speak it well? If it's extravagant generosity, I pray that you'd pour blessing into our lives so that we could be a blessing. Whatever you're calling us to, that greatness, I pray that we would aspire towards it, desire towards it, and perspire and put in the work. We hope that you enjoyed this edition of the Vivid Church podcast. For more information about Vivid Church, check out our website at www.vivid.church or look us up on Instagram at vivid.church. Have the best day.